0: Word is our great and shall be. Ours forever. Have you noticed the level of detail in these last few chapters of Exodus? God is very specific, very precise in his instructions for the tabernacle. That level of detail continues now in these next chapters. And while the Lord has given us in the New Testament freedom in the way we design our worship spaces and dress our worship leaders, that does not mean we are to be careless about such things. There is a saying in architecture, we shape our buildings and then our buildings shape us. That is true also of worship spaces. The design of our buildings and the artwork they contain speak to us. What a pastor wears also sends a message. What is appropriate will, of course, vary with time and place. Customs change. People's perceptions are different in different places, even within the United States. But these things do deserve careful thought. We tried to give some specific examples of this in the last episode, and we will do so again here. Most importantly, God has been very specific, very precise in giving us his word. He wants us to follow it exactly, neither adding nor subtracting from it. As the hymn at the beginning and end of these podcasts says, God's word is our great heritage. Through life, it guides our way. In death, it is our stay. And so we pray, Lord, grant while worlds endure, we keep its teachings pure throughout all generations. Amen. We'll be looking at Exodus chapters 29 to 31. And as we've done the last few times now, I'm going to ask you to read the chapters on your own, and I'll simply highlight a few sections. Chapter 29 begins. This is what you are to do to consecrate... Aaron and his sons, so they may serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two rams without defect, and from the finest wheat flour make round loaves without yeast, thick loaves without yeast and with olive oil mixed in, and thin loaves without yeast and brushed with olive oil. Put them in a basket and present them along with the bull and the two rams. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Take the garments and dress Aaron with the tunic, the robe of the ephod, the ephod itself, and the breastpiece. Fasten the ephod on him by its skillfully woven waistband. Put the turban on his head and attach the sacred emblem to the turban. Take the anointing oil and anoint him by pouring it on his head. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics and fasten caps on them. Then tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by a lasting ordinance. Then you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Have you had the privilege of attending an ordination service for a pastor? It's an awesome thing. When a congregation says, in a divine service, this is the man God has chosen to shepherd us. He will teach us what God says and how we are to live in obedience to that word. He will comfort us in life's sorrows. He will forgive our sins as He takes us to the cross. He will give us hope as He takes us to the empty tomb. It was an awesome ordination service the Lord planned for Aaron and his sons. Aaron and his sons were brought to the entrance of the tabernacle. They were washed. They were dressed in the robes God had specified. We too, not just our pastors or teachers or staff ministers, but all of us, we need to be washed to enter God's presence, a washing offered to us in baptism. We too need to be dressed in special robes, the robes of Christ's righteousness. Aaron and his sons placed their hands on the head of a bowl to symbolize that their sins were transferred to this sacrificial animal. The bull was slaughtered to show that the Lord accepted the death of His substitute to make atonement for the sins of the priests. And it pointed ahead to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus as our substitute, the one who would make atonement for our sins. Jesus is the perfect high priest who did not have to offer a sacrifice first for his own sins and then offer for the people. No, and he did not bring the blood of another. Instead, he poured out his own blood as the sacrifice of atonement for our sins. Dropping down now to verse 15. Take one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it. And take the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar. Cut the ram into pieces and wash the internal organs and the legs, putting them with the head and the other pieces. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, a food pleasing presented to the Lord. Two rams were brought. One was used for this burnt offering. The entire animal was burned on the altar. Symbolizing complete dedication to the Lord. Reminds us of Paul's words in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that is, in view of all God has done for you in his love and mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In other words, devote yourself entirely, not a half-hearted effort, but complete devotion to serving the Lord. It reminds us also of of one of our hymns, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. The second ram was to be used in a slightly different way. Some of the blood was put on the priest's right earlobe, right thumb, and right big toe. It was a reminder that the priests were to hear the word of the Lord, do his will, and walk in his paths. Part of this ram was to be burnt in the fire, but part of it was to be given to the priests. It was sometimes called a fellowship offering because this ram was shared between the Lord and the people's representatives, the priests, signifying a fellowship between the Lord and his people. Sometimes it was called a wave offering because it was moved back and forth like a wave, first toward the Lord and then back toward the priests again signifying a sharing and a fellowship. In the New Testament, we have an even more awesome fellowship meal as Jesus invites us to gather at the family table with him in his Holy Supper. Dropping to verse 38. Now, just selected verses here. This is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day. Two lambs a year old. Offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you and speak to you. There also I will meet with the Israelites, and the place will be consecrated to my glory. They will know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt, so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. Every morning and every evening, a lamb was to be offered. Repentance, confession of sin, and looking to God for forgiveness is not only a Sunday morning thing. It is our daily life. Through this, God is present among us. And while the Lord does not prescribe a specific morning and evening ritual for us in the New Testament— Many Christians have found it a great blessing to speak prayers similar to Luther's morning and evening prayers at the start and end of each day. Exodus chapter 30. Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It is to be square, a cubit long and a cubit wide and two cubits high. Its horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. This altar was placed in the holy place, in front of the curtain, which separated from the most holy place. Remember, there were two rooms there in the tabernacle. Every morning and every evening, the priest was to burn incense on it. Currently, during our evening midweek Lenten services, we sing, Let my prayer rise before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Those words from Psalm 141 remind us that in the Bible, incense is symbolic of prayer. Our prayers, daily prayers, morning and evening, rise to God as a pleasing aroma. Verse 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. How serious was God about all these instructions he's given? Well, consider how often you have heard something along these lines, so they will not die. God wants us to know he has provided one way for our salvation, and that is Christ. Apart from him, We cannot be saved. We will die. This was the last item of furnishings in the tabernacle, this basin for washing. In the front of our church, we have a large basin for Christian baptism. Some churches place that font near the entrance to the sanctuary to remind worshipers that it's here, in the sacrament of baptism, of washing, that God makes us his own children so that we might enter his presence with confidence. Verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, All according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hin of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. The ingredients for this oil would have been somewhat difficult to come by in the wilderness and therefore expensive. It was very precious. Throughout Scripture, anointing oil is used as a symbol for the Holy Spirit in his work. Chapter 31 Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. The Lord not only gave specific instructions for how the tabernacle was to be built, he also gave instructions on who specifically was to build it. Our places of worship are less expensive than the tabernacle was, and we're not bound by the ceremonial law to follow a specific design, as we've said many times now. But we, too, want our worship spaces to be the best that we can offer to our Savior, to honor him, to let others know how important the things we do in worship are to us. We also want to honor the many gifts that God gives to his people, the skills, as he gave to these craftsmen here, the skills he gives to his people today to be used in artistic design, in music, whether that be vocal or instrumental, Uh, the things that God gives his people so that together we can honor him with those spirit-motivated gifts. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, 'Say Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. Notice how the Lord describes himself here. I am the Lord who makes you holy. We are the communion of saints, the holy Christian church. God has made us holy through the blood of his Son. The word Sabbath means rest. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul writes of the Sabbath day regulations. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the reality is in Christ. In heaven, we will enjoy the eternal Sabbath rest that Christ has won for us. Chapter 31 ends with these words. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. These were the two tablets of stone on which the Ten Commandments were written by God himself. Unfortunately, the tablets did not make it back to the Israelite camp. When Moses came down from the mountain and saw the wicked rebellion of the Israelites around the golden calf, he threw those tablets on the ground, smashing them to pieces. Uh, But that's next time. I would encourage you, if you're looking to do more study on these chapters, on the tabernacle and its furnishings and the priesthood and the sacrifices there, I would encourage you to make use of the People's Bible Commentary in Exodus by Professor Ernst Wentland. It's been very useful to me in the preparation of this podcast. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior. Amen.